earlier this year, Talking Health Tech attended what ended up being one of the biggest digital health in-person events for the year, the Digital Health Festival in Melbourne. Now, Talking Health Tech had a booth in the exhibition area, and I was moderating a panel on one of the stages as well. It was a great way to bring startups and health informaticians and clinicians and investors, all of the interested parties together in one room to share ideas, connect and learn together. Of course, being Talking Health Tech, at our booth, we interviewed speakers as they came off the stage to get their insights and a flavour for what was covered during their sessions. And in this episode of the podcast, you'll basically get a whirlwind tour of topics and themes discussed in this big two-day event that took place earlier this year. Now, if you're loving the vibe of the Digital Health Festival, the team there are in full swing, getting ready for the next one in 2023. It's happening on the 6th and 7th of June next year at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. Now, even though June feels a little bit of a while away, you'll want to get your tickets now because until the 23rd of November, they're offering tickets up for a 60% discount. They tell me that's the cheapest they'll be selling tickets for this event. So there's no reason to delay. Here at Talking Health Tech, we've already sorted out our booth and we're getting ready to go for next year. So make sure you get your tickets at digitalhealthfest.com.au. That link's in the show notes of this episode. They've already announced over 50 speakers at the time of this episode going out as well. So go to the website, check out what's already in store and secure your spot. Right now, though, to get you into the mood is the recordings we took from Digital Health Fest 2022, featuring a range of speakers who'll each introduce themselves before they talk. Check out the show notes or the article on the website of this episode for each speaker and where they're from if you want to refer back to it as well. Here we go. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Here it is. Here are the recordings we took from Digital Health Festival in 2022 with speakers as they came off each stage. Each speaker will introduce themselves before they get into it. Here we go. My name is Phil Hay Sinclair. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of Dropbio Health, headquartered out of Sydney. Great to see you in person, Phil. Tell us a bit about Dropbio and what it is. Yeah, so we're a digital health company focused on early warning. We help people understand their underlying health so they can get help when there are conditions that might pop up well ahead of time. We do that in uh, consumer products that we call wellbeing, and we also have really active interests in fertility and women's health and also mental health as well. Nice, and what brings you to the event today? It's just a fantastic time to be together again. Like, it's been such a long time since we've been able to meet people, collaborate and sort of be here. And we're here to talk uh, tomorrow morning about trust and how important that is in digital health, particularly in the new era of remote sampling and remote healthcare. Yeah, are you gonna use the, the, the T word in, in that presentation? I am. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't be a presentation without the T word, right? Yeah, yeah, like this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is what I've come to know. If I come unarmed around the T word, yeah. it always comes up. So Fair I decided to get on the uh, yeah, get yeah, on the front yeah. foot. Yeah, yeah, no, nice one. So I, so sometimes when we talk about trust in healthcare and technology, it might be around cybersecurity and taking a vendor perspective or from a hospital and health system perspective or clinician side. But you being patient facing, that's remarkably important in building that trust and credibility with ultimately the, the most important person in the, in the process being the patient, right? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, we'll talk a lot about data and security, but it's more about somebody being able to rely on us for insight over time, knowing that we're there for them, knowing we can respond to them, 
And that's just for the member. So the, we call our customers members and that also extends to regulators and clinicians and it extends to the family. So we have sort of a three-tier model around trust which starts with us as individuals and it goes to our doctors and to the regulators whose job it is to make sure that people are safe using services like this and then to the family because you know, if we were brothers or we were related somehow, we want you to have a conversation together about health so that if you need to make some sort of intervention, then you've got some help to do that. So it's all about having that sort of concentric circle approach to trust. So important. Any other final thoughts, comments? I think that healthcare is changing really rapidly and people who are thinking about how to meet a patient or a clinician where they are are going to win. And I think if people are worried about hospital systems and things, there is a place for those institutions. But the new place, which will interrelate with the existing places, will be in people's homes. And that's where it's going. So get involved. Hi, my name is Matthew Cullen. I'm the founder and CEO of chemist to You. I've also known Peter for almost 10 years. <laughs> when we used to work together at Medibank and... Uh, yeah, it's great to be talking to you again after such a long time. Yeah, it's it's uh, going separate ways and then come back here at Digital Health Festival. So, chemist to you. So, tell us a bit about what you're doing at the event today. Why are you here? I'm here. Well, I was invited to speak about a business I started, Chemist to You, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I've actually been, um, I guess, uh, post-COVID. Lots of people have said, well, it's nice to get out and about, and loving that. And it's been incredible to run into so many old colleagues and old with inverted commas, not truly old. <laughs> and yeah, it's been very interesting actually to be at the Digital Health Festival and hear, see what people are doing. And I've been really impressed with all the exhibits as well. A lot of energy. But the driver was to come and to talk tomorrow about my business, which is a digital pharmacy business. Yeah, tell us a bit more about the digital pharmacy business, particularly important these days. Yeah, so narrative goes like this. Yes, I'm a, a doctor, so I'm not a pharmacist, but the one area within healthcare that is the least disrupted digitally is pharmacy. Yes, e-prescribing has come about, but that's really only a, a tiny piece of the puzzle. And really what we're trying to do at chemist to you is create a true end-to-end -end digital e-pharmacy, online pharmacy experience which really at the one end allows our platform to ingest prescriptions either from a consumer or a partner and then facilitate delivery into people's home or office for that matter. So it's a sort of, it's really the, and I hate using this, but it's the Uberization of pharmacy um, because that'll give people an analogy for what we're trying to do. But uh, if you think about telehealth, that's 15% of all healthcare consults. In pharmacy, less than 1% is online. So you look at retail, clothes, shoes, 15% online. You look at groceries, 3 to 4% online. In my view, for a whole lot of really good reasons, the con convenience of businesses like chemist to you will be quite transformative. And we've also got good data now starting to emerge about increased treatment adherence. Well, many of your listeners would be aware that about 50% of people don't adhere regularly to their medications. And one of it is the hassle of getting to the pharmacy month in, month out if you're on regular meds. Yeah, yeah. And so you're up on stage speaking at the event tomorrow. Is that right? What, I am. What are yeah. you going to cover? Well, I'm going to talk macro. I'm not going to plug chemist to you. Well, maybe a tad, but not really. I'm actually, it's implicit, exactly. So really, no, I'm talking about 
what are the drivers for this? What I see is the tailwinds. And it's not just COVID, by the way. I'm going to give a perspective on what's going on globally in the space. I'll talk about some of our outcome data. And I think it'll just give people a flavor for the area of healthcare that I don't believe has been really considered as an important adjunct to the more mainstream digital healthcare transformation. And pharmacy, I think, is going to move hugely because it's also arguably the largest commercial sector in healthcare. It's $25 billion a year segment of our healthcare budget. And at the moment, it's a cottage industry. So, you know, I'm going to give people a sense of all of that, where we, we are today in Australia, where the rest of the world is, and what I think the opportunities are in this country. And obviously, I'm a serial founder of businesses, so um, I've, I'm, I, I'm feeling pretty buoyant about the prospects. Yeah, my name's Cameron Vandendungen. I'm the CEO of a company called Sleep Tight. And for want of a better, it's very hard to define what we do, but we develop innovative technology for the bedroom. So beds, mattresses, but what we're most known for is a system called Remy, which is printable, flex, flexible, stretchable electronics that extracts data from a sleep environment. And you just presented here at the Digital Health Festival. Can you give us a bit of a summary on what you spoke about and what the key messages are? Yeah, so I spoke in an aged care forum in particular. So even though the bedroom has so many different applications today, it was very specific to the aged care sector. So what I was talking about is how is the aged care bedroom evolving as part of the connected home or the connected facility and what I see as the trends in and around the connected aged care bedroom. So some of the devices, what are the validation, what's the data we can extract and some of the decisions we can make from that data. And is there anything else that you wanted to mention while you have the opportunity? Oh, it's just, it's an exciting time to be working in digital health at the moment. Five years ago when I started, people wondered, why are you innovating in aged care? And here we are at this amazing festival where I get to talk about what I'm seeing in trends for the future. It's just amazing how far Australia's come in this space. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime. Online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus.
My name is Simone Dudley. I'm an occupational therapist and co-founder of Therapy Connect. Therapy Connect is an online provider of allied health services, predominantly speech and occupational therapy to children and families on the NDIS. And you participated in a panel session here at the Digital Health Festival. Can you give us a bit of a summary of what that panel session was about and, and maybe some of the key messages? Sure. So the panel was hosted by um, NBN Co. And we were talking about the role of connectivity post-COVID in terms of the value proposition for consumers and providers of digital healthcare. We were talking about capability in terms of digital health, so capability of our practitioners, capability of consumers accessing services. And we were talking about the future of our workforce and how digital health provides opportunities for engaging and I suppose leveraging the flexible workforce when we have such a supply constrained workforce in allied health in Australia. Yeah, awesome. And do you have anything else that you wanted to say just why you have the opportunity here on the podcast? Oh, well, it was a great opportunity to be here to share our story and to also hear from others about how they use aspects of digital health in their practice. I think from my point of view, it was great to share the learnings that we have and some of our research partnerships around telehealth and engagement in particular and how exciting it is with research findings around what we're learning about the role of telehealth and how successful we can be in allied health using a telehealth platform for our clients. So uh, my name's Nathan Moore. I'm the Nursing Information Manager for Western Sydney Local Health District. And what brings you to this event today, Nathan? Yes, yeah, so the, the guys asked me to come and talk about some of the work I've been doing using virtual reality to mm-hmm. train clinicians in Western Sydney Local Health District. The session is called VRT Now and worth paying attention. So what we'll be looking to do is explore a bit of the narrative around what the current state of VR use is, yep. some of the potential moving forwards, but also just some tangible examples of how VR is being used today to support clinician education and also discussing a little bit around the patient use side of things as well. But yeah, really about the tangible stuff. You know, you know, there's a lot of great things coming. We talk about Web 3.0 and the work of Meta and all of that. And there are some great discussions at the conference about that. But what we're focusing on is, you know, the here and today and what can be done and what is being done. Doesn't sound like a presentation I typically hear from someone from within a local health district. Yeah. So that's uh, that's encouraging to see. Do you think maybe even there'd be, I would imagine there would also be other people from within hospital groups and whether it be local health districts or area health networks, whatever it is, looking for perhaps inspiration, almost permission to be a bit innovative in solving for some of these problems. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, I must say we have found ourselves to be a little bit unique in this space. Yeah. But what's, what, I, what I think has been really, really informative from us is just actually getting out there and doing it. We, we you know, we, we found some small grants to build some proof of concepts. We did some small pilots and um, just the amount of learning we've taken from actually doing this stuff mm. has really informed us and it, it turned out it's made us someone that people want to come to, to to talk about this stuff as well, which has been really wonderful, but it really was just that doing it and the exceptional leadership we've had within the Western Sydney Local Health District to give us that permission to explore and, and also to fail because, you know, we don't always get it right, but actually just getting out there and doing it has, yeah. has been great learning. Love it. Robert Hardy, Executive Manager, Health and Agriculture at NBN Australia. So what brought you to Digital Health Festival? 
Well, uh, Sophie, today is actually my first day in the role as executive manager for health. Oh, wow. Having been ag executive manager for a couple of years, I've now added this on. So it's a really great deep dive into an area that I'm hoping to become perhaps not an expert in, but certainly much more involved in. But NBN's been working very closely with the health sector for a long time to lift the digital capability of regional Australians to hopefully enable more people living and working in regional Australia the opportunity to participate in the telehealth space and access the clinical care they need no matter where they're located. And you participated in a panel session here today. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was about and, and maybe the key messages from that session? Yeah, so NBN uh, was, as a sponsor, hosted a panel session spoke, uh, speaking about the digital capability requirements of telehealth. We included two experts from the field, Dr. Kudzai Kanutu from the Royal Melbourne Hospital and Simone Dudley, who heads up a business called Therapy Connect. Now, uh, disclaimer, Therapy Connect won a grant from NBN, Lope, NBN in 2020 yep. through the Innovate with NBN program. Uh, and they're providing, they're, they're a virtual network for occupational therapists to enable people living in regional Australia to get access to the clinical, need they, the clinical needs they have by connecting to occupational therapists no matter where they're located. It's a business that was created over the NBN network and is now ensuring that people get access to care no matter where they need it. So the conversation this morning focused very heavily on the barriers to participation and one of the critical barriers to participation in digital health is people feeling confident and capable about participating in this space. We know that despite the millions of telehealth consultations that have taken place, particularly since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, that a very small fraction of them are being undertaken in a visual virtual sense. So finding ways to make people feel more confident about turning their camera on uh, at both a provider level but also a consumer level is really important. Getting that visual connection from a healthcare professional can often help you determine whether there are other under, uh, other problems that need to be addressed that yep. the, the consumer may not necessarily pick up on, on yep. first uh, first impression. And is there anything else that you wanted to add just why you've got the opportunity on the podcast? Look, one of the things I'm really excited to do in this role is to look for ways to enable uh, clinicians to connect no matter where they are. The NBN network is available right across Australia. We can connect people through our satellite network. And so I'm now looking at really innovative ways of deploying satellite technology into very remote communities, whether they're Indigenous communities or not, to ensure that the clinician can have access to the cloud-based technologies that they might otherwise take for granted while they're operating in the city but also to continue to build confidence right through the Australian community so that not just providers, but consumers of digital health have the skills that they need to participate as fully as they need to in this really exciting and continuously evolving space. Okay, my name is Robbie Carp. I'm from Fluffy Spider Technologies. Coolest name in the industry, I've got to Thank say you. as well. So tell us a bit about Fluffy Spider, what is it? So. We're software guys. We develop software for every part of the healthcare data journey, I like to call it. So everything from when you have a sensor, we will do the firmware for the sensors and we will then do the software that collects the data from the sensors. Maybe that's on a mobile app via Bluetooth. Maybe that's on some sort of a hub that collects sensor data via Bluetooth low energy. We'll then build the cloud services that will collect all of the data from all of the different mobile apps and hubs. And then finally, we will 
integrate that um, into some sort of medical record system via you know interoperability standards yeah. like fire so bringing it all together nice one and so what brings you to this event today you're up on the stage is that right so yeah no yeah i was talking about interoperability i was kind of like giving uh well one of the one of the people said it was like a fire 101 talk yeah cool. so really about the very basics of how i mean without actually giving code how you would go about implementing fire-based interoperability because because it's a, because it's a standard it's, it's reasonably straightforward what you have to do and because it's designed to be integrated well into existing web technologies i mean it's easy to incorporate into systems that already exist mm. that's the intention that's the design mm. so that's what i was talking about about how cool it is that it, it, you know, you don't need to have all this new stuff to be able to implement fire-based solutions. If it's to the point, like it's completely programming language agnostic, it's completely um, tech stack agnostic, so your engineering team doesn't need to learn all this new protocol and language stuff. It just needs to, it does need to learn how to, you know, talk fire. Yeah. But, you know, REST over HTTP, that's like standard web tech, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah. I touched a little bit on security and cloud computing and because they're all part of it, but yeah. Yeah, demystifying and kind of giving well, those that want to get into it that next step and a bit more of an understanding and try and make it a bit more accessible maybe. Yeah, I mean, people talk a lot about interoperability is just such a word at the moment, but yeah. um, you know, what does it practically really mean? Yes. You know, I, I want to implement this uh, so-called standard. What are the technical steps? You know, I'm I'm a software engineer. I want to know what to do next. Yeah. So it tells me, you know, I was trying to convey that these are the sorts of things. These are the things you actually need to do to get it done. Um, so my, my name is Zara Lord. I'm the CEO and founder of UPaged. Uh, it's a healthcare workforce ecosystem that connects health professionals to work opportunities. What brings you here today? So I came to the Digital Health Festival just to check out what everyone's up to in the digital space, learn a bit about new technologies coming out, but also to network. Mm -hmm. It pulls in such a great community of people. So that's been really exciting so far. So I'm really looking forward to day two. Yeah, how good is that? But you've got you've got a session on the stage later today. Is yep. that right? Tell us about what you'll be talking about there. Yeah, so I'm the last on the blue stage. That the main event. The main event. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, this afternoon. And yeah. um, basically just talking about why we're doing what we're doing. So yeah. the story behind you, Paige, uh, the story behind myself, um, and some of the reasons why we use technology to solve the problems that we're solving. Uh, yeah. I think that technology is really powerful in its application and how you can humanize it and then make that scalable. Um, so just talking about some of the uh, clinician-led perspectives yeah. on that. And, and so there's been a bit of time passed since we last spoke in a dedicated mm. episode of the podcast yeah um been through a lot as everyone has in the last couple of years yeah like wh where are your priorities at at the moment and what yeah. have you taken from from what's happened so far so it's been a, a roller coaster of a couple of years with covid um mm. but we're in a really exciting place we started so my background's in nursing and we started connecting nurses to hospitals being mm. like well just get the proof of concept there yeah. in something that's a little bit more one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Now we're doing many-to-many -many and it's yeah. uh, it's wild. We're building a real ecosystem. So we connect any healthcare workforce to any healthcare organization, um, only under a PAYG model. So we're not doing any contractors, no, okay. no ABN model uh, yeah. engagements. But then the biggest thing about a marketplace is that you can fold in all these other things that continue to add value for yeah. our users and customers. So things like networking, events, education, um, nice. term contracts, permanent roles, 
uh, resume building, compliance storage, all this stuff that makes it a really powerful workforce platform yeah, yeah. Uh, and the ability to connect people in yeah. an informed way. And that's what we're all about. Sounds like you're building a, a really cool community behind it all yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah that's well. right. Yeah. Alan Sheffield. Uh, I'm the founder of a company called MyDNA. Oh, amazing. What are you talking about here today at the event? Uh, today I'm talking about how genomics can really transform health and aged care by using genetic information to uh, empower doctors and, and people with more information about themselves. The main area that we're talking about that I'm going to focus on, there's lots of areas that genetics can play a role in precision medicine. It's helping in the areas like oncology, cardiovascular disease, but one of the things that we're very passionate about is an area called pharmacogenomics, which is how your genes influence the way you respond to medications. And so it's, I think this is something that every person should, you know, have a test and effectively have this on their medical record. So if they ever go on a commonly prescribed medication, they can avoid side effects. So um, we're very passionate about it. We've been pioneering it for the last 10 years and we're seeing globally now it's becoming standard of care. Mike Connell, VP Resap Health, based out of Melbourne. And what are you doing here at Digital Health Festival? I'm learning a lot of great insights about what's going on inside health systems, which has been great. Yes. And then just presented this morning on the future of uh, respiratory diagnostics. Yeah. I saw, I, I caught a little bit of your session, but, but talk us through what you see the future to be like or how the session was received. Did you get any feedback? Yeah, so I guess maybe if we start with the first one, the future, I guess we're pretty excited about the future of what respiratory diagnostics could look like, the potential of our COVID-19 data yeah. to really create scale and normalise using not just a cough test to diagnose respiratory disease, but actually using digital diagnostics for patients and clinicians. And so um, how do you think the, the message was received with the, with the attendees today? Well, it seemed to be a pretty enthusiastic audience, lots of head nodding, quite a few really great conversations afterwards about how we might be able to apply the, the ResApp technology in different contexts from a primary health network to pharmaceutical companies in research, uh, in COPD, a whole heap of different areas we can really extend this technology into. I find that a benefit of some of these sessions too is that often with a solution that has... Um, what on the face of it might be, you know, a quite an obvious use case by bringing together people from different perspectives and different settings and experiences, it then opens up a lot of potential for something like utilizing digital therapies at the diagnostic capability of a, of a smartphone. So essentially a lot of exciting opportunities ahead for you as well. Yeah, totally. And I think that's a great point. Meeting with a lot of diverse people across industries like pharma, but also in health systems. And you're right, as you get a diverse group of people together, they tend to generate other use cases and ideas for where you could extend the technology, mm. either using current kit that we've already got yeah. or actually building out new algorithms for new disease states. Yeah. Ben Robinson, so Head of Access Innovation for Roche Diagnostics Australia. Seeing you yesterday, seeing you today, busy guy here at the event. What have you been up to at Digital Health Festival? Well, I guess, like everyone, reconnecting, I suppose. So it's, it's been a couple of years, um, you know, without seeing people face-to-face. -face, so it's been a fantastic event for that. But, you know, yeah, here to um, really look at, at how we position what we're doing in healthcare at the moment as yeah. well. And what's going to be important for us going forward is really certainly connecting with, with others and seeing how we can provide more value 
by coming together, I think, and yeah. driving change in, in healthcare. And there's, there's two distinct elements of Roche, is that right? That's the two parts of the business? Yeah, so we, we have two separate parts, uh, diagnostics and pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. But what we're also seeing too, we're, we're very intentionally looking at how we can leverage you know, data points that are, are being generated and work within ecosystems to, mm. to cover more of, I guess, the end-to-end -end patient journey. So leveraging our strengths within the two divisions, uh, we've been working very closely together, but we work with other partners as well to, to deliver more value. Cool. I saw you up on the stage as well, do it, doing your thing. Tell us about what you were, were going through. Sure. Yeah, I'm very much aligned with, with that topic, right? So um, I was talking about uh, open digital ecosystems mm -hmm. in healthcare and, you know, trying to drive a bit of a call to action for everyone to, to come together and, and, and let's have the discussion. Like I said, diagnostics, pharmaceuticals, that's what we know. We've been around 125 years. We, we know it very well. We've got some clear ambitions around building an insights business as well, but we're not going to fool ourselves that we can do everything. We don't want to do everything, right? Um, and, and the real value is going to be if we can come together with partners that are very specialized in certain areas and, and deliver more all-encompassing solutions, right? And so we, we know the challenges with healthcare today and you know, everything being a, a very siloed approach. Um, but we have seen that you know, we can come together. We've seen some of that through COVID and, and in other areas. So let's try and accelerate that now. Fantastic. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ollie Stimson. I'm Strategic Business Development Manager at CyberArk in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, the work we do here in, in the healthcare space, we help organizations protect sensitive data and assets, and we do that by controlling sensitive access to them. Now, later today, we'll be discussing how securing sensitive access, privileged access, privileged identities to medical devices, medical data, medical infrastructure is an important step to keep in mind when transforming digitally and how after a difficult couple of years for the, for the medical sector, it's important that we take that step back and think about what it means to be secure and the important steps that should be taken to remain secure while transforming digitally. Yeah. So is that what your um, presentation is on today? Exactly right, yeah. So my, myself and my, my colleague, uh, Jan William Asselbergs, we'll, we'll be talking around that, right? We work with a number of the medical institutions in, in the Melbourne area and, and wider Australia. And we're going to talk about some of the experiences we've had, right? The common challenges that these organisations came to us with, driven by requirements like the essential aid, but also the, the coming critical infrastructure legislation. And we'll be just addressing what, what they talk to us about, what we've been able to help them with, but also where they're coming back to us and saying, we see opportunity with digital transformation, but we need to update our security with that, right? There's opportunity, but there's growing risk. And, and how can you guys expand on the work you're already doing? Yeah. Uh, you also mentioned that you're doing some roundtables throughout the event as well. Are they going to be along the similar lines of topic or is there any sort of other key messages that you're hoping to sort of get through? Yeah, it's, it's important for us that we, we look at those two areas separately, one security risk and one of the, the legislation that, that's trying to control that, right? So we, we split that into two roundtables. Uh, one is going to be with some of our account team and some of their customers talking around where they see the most risk, right? What types of user, what types of account they're trying to lock down. But also, for me, I'll be running a roundtable as well about this coming uh, critical infrastructure legislation. It's, it's through Parliament. The health and medical sector is named in that. There's going to be a number of obligations to meet. What are our customers and, and partners going out there and seeing as the requirement and, and how can we better help address those? 
Um, nice to meet you all. My name is Mark Paul and I'm the founder of Ethereum. And Ethereum is a Web3 data platform and we effectively empower people to own and trade their data. And by doing this, we unlock data silos, specifically in health, you know, almost all data is locked up in silos. So we're creating an alternate technology stack that once implemented, we can unlock some of these silos. And so you're doing a presentation at the Digital Health Festival event this afternoon. Can you give us a bit of a summary on, on what your presentation will be about and, and the key messages that you're trying to drive through that presentation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm talking on the topic of how Web3 can transform digital health. And I come from, um, so firstly, I come from a very traditional tech background, over 20 years in traditional tech, over seven years in digital health. I worked for the government as well. So I made a big transition yeah. from Web 2 to Web 3. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have done that if I didn't feel like this is, this is the future, right? The, the biggest challenge in digital health, I think we all objectively agree, is that data is locked up in different silos. And if data is locked up in silos, it's really difficult to unlock the, the, the mass innovation. So we propose a, a different way of thinking, and, and that is to a Web3 stack. And if you're familiar with Web3, it's more than just cryptocurrency, it's, it's a whole stack. And the underlying concept behind it is ownership. Mm -hmm. How can you own things, right? And uh, it, it, it natively happens through a Web3 stack. So we've uh, been doing this for a while now, and we've come up with a technology stack that's been used already, I should add, in various parts of the world. And once implemented, it empowers patients or individuals on their health and wellness data and then creates this ecosystem where there's shared governance built on the blockchain and there's also equal value that's participants get to trade this data and all of this happens in a really cool way which i will talk about this afternoon but yeah that's effectively what i'm going to be talking about yeah okay awesome and is there anything else that you wanted to say why you have the opportunity on our podcast to our listeners yeah i mean it, it, uh, Web3 is often misunderstood to be, you know, related to cryptocurrency and, and, and stuff like that and often dismissed. But I think what, what we should try to be doing is looking at the problems and in healthcare, the problems are again, mm -hmm. as I've, I've said a few times, it's uh, data being locked up everywhere, right? And then look at solutions that would try to solve these problems. And it just so happens that to be that Web3 is like a perfect fit to this problem. So. We don't have to go all in. We encourage people to do try a pilot project if they could, try a few components, and then if they like it, then yeah, embrace more. So keep an open mind, I guess, when it comes to innovation. It, yeah. It's not. Uh, it's usually the bad things that people hear about, but the Web3 brings with it some amazing technology. And uh, yeah, I encourage the audience uh, to reach out to us if they're keen to do pilot projects. We're at ethium.io, and yeah, happy to have this conversation further. Yeah, hi, my name's Paul Grant. I work for Ernst & Young. And you're here today at Digital Health Festival. What brings you to the event? So I was speaking today on the future of wellness and anticipating the health ecosystem of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But of course, just coming to network, to meet all the good people and to see what's new in tech, but also just for some inspiration, you know, to think about where, where are we going with all of this. Yeah, and so from, so why the future of wellness? Why is that topic interesting to, to you and Ernst & Young? There's a couple of reasons. I think we're in an industry that revolves around healthcare. Yes. But as many would know, a lot of it actually is about the point of care. It's about sick care. It's yeah. not necessarily yeah. about wellness per se. So my interest in the future of wellness is how do we live the best version of our life? You know, mm -hmm. How do we use data? How do we use all of that we have with technology, uh, systems and processes to 
intervene to prevent you ever needing to get to the point of care. And of course, you know, we know uh, in our lives we're going to have different events that will cause us to take twists and turns. We're, going to, we're always going to need uh, care and treatment, but as best as possible, we really have to do more and do better, and we can. Yeah. So that's why. Do you see any barriers or the resistance to taking the more kind of wellness or um, preventative approach towards some of these challenges? Yeah, I do. I think organisations are, are facing the challenge of having come through this unprecedented period. In EY, we call it the duality of focus or the duality of growth. It's like, how do you focus on the future when you've got so much to focus on today? (laughs) And the truth is, you know, probably most organizations spend more than 95% of their effort and resources and time just managing the business today and trying to optimize the traditional model of care. But in actual fact, if we can start to commit to putting resources into looking to the future, then we'll bring the future towards us more quickly. Mm. So that's one of the things. I would say the other is that humans are resistant to change. You know, inertia is a factor in all of this. And we probably haven't done a great job of articulating the benefits of, for instance, sharing personal sensitive health information. And if we did, we'd probably see so much more wellness and intervention and prevention And I think that's about winning the trust of the general public. All they hear is the negative, you know, the reasons why you shouldn't, the cyber risk, the, you know, the fraud, the downside risk. But in actual fact, if we could tell a better story about the benefits of not just helping others, but helping yourself, I think people would understand that actually this is a great thing to do. It's a great message. Any other final comments or thoughts? Uh, Probably the central theme that I have today is that the impossible is possible. And if, it, if not today, then definitely tomorrow. My point is that what was impossible 40 years ago is now commonplace. Yeah. And so we need to keep seeking out those impossible scenarios yeah. and uh, finding ways to solve those puzzles. That's how we bring the future to us as quickly as possible. My name's Nam Lam from SailPoint. So we, uh, we're a, a software provider in cybersecurity mm-hmm. and it's all about access um, and it's about the security around the access and the automation around access for uh, complex digital environments. Uh, we see a lot of these complex environments in the healthcare setting, so that's what we do. Great. Yeah. Uh, what did you speak about at the event? Yes, indeed. So uh, the title was Privacy is a Given and uh, digital, digital Transformation at the, at the Core. So I shared a very personal story of mine. Uh, So my son has got uh, autism, so he he has ASD. And uh, I just think, you know, our healthcare system is is the best. We have one of the best healthcare systems, Mm. healthcare systems on on the planet. And I guess in the midst of the COVID situation, he he had to move schools. Mm. And, you know, with with all the extensive lockdowns, if it wasn't for a simple digital uh, healthcare tool such as uh, telehealth, um, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have been able to uh, receive the therapy, and it was because of that he was able to return back to school, a very confident and positive child. So I guess the, the next question from there is, that's great, but I ask myself, well, what is the privacy around our, you know, my health information? And I guess that's where my speech went went into is, is well, how do we provide that assurance to patients and people? around the, uh, the privacy of their health information. And uh, I think what we do has a direct correlation to that. 
Anything else you want to add? Yeah, it, I think one thing to just, just note is, uh, and, and this came from a conversation I had with a CISO uh, yesterday, because I also ran a panel at this uh, great event. Um, she shared with me that there's a great opportunity in healthcare from a digital transformation perspective. She did say, unfortunately, it is, it is a bit behind, perhaps where finance and banking was about 10 years ago. Perhaps that's where, that, that is where the opportunity for healthcare is in, I guess, nicer terms. Yeah, the growth <laughs> um, is meant. So, um, so I think the message there is let's embrace the opportunities, mm. um, but let's not, I guess, ignore the potential exposure that that could bring also. Yeah. Uh, there are still the bad guys out there who, who, are, who are, have the potential malicious intent to cause cyber attack and uh, just, to be, just to be considerate of that. My name is Jennifer Patel. I am the head of clinical systems at Genesis Care Cardiology. I've been in this business now for about 15 years all over the world. And so you were, uh, I was moderating a panel and you were participating in that panel about remote patient monitoring. But what's brought you to this event and what are you, what are you enjoying from this? So I was also asked to speak on digital transformation comes to the clinic as well as that remote yep. monitoring panel. So I spoke on uh, what we're doing at Genesis Care specifically because Digital transformation in the specialty clinics is very different to d digital transformation in the hospital setting. Yes. And I've done both. So moving from private hospital slash public hospital over to private specialty clinic, you you see a lot of differentiation and, and movement, how you're able to implement and, and scale. Yeah. I still find that most specialist appointments I have involve a specialist writing something on a piece of paper. Yeah, it's funny how that happens, hey. Um, a lot of specialists don't actually have EMRs as we would think of no. them in their offices. So it's, you know, I Genesis Care Cardiology has 80 offices and about 100 plus cardiologists now. Mm. All of my cardiologists use health track medical systems as their EMR. Yeah. And our cardiologists are able to access our patient data across the country. And so that's that's helpful because you kind of own the farm essentially and you can kind of support some of that infrastructure to put that capability in. But what do you think is going to take to try and move the needle to get some of these, like whether it's smaller specialty clinics or even specialists, starting to transform to utilising more digital? So I think it's it's twofold, right? Um, as we see the younger, and, and I hate to say it like this, but as we see the younger specialists coming in, I think you'll see that transition happen naturally. Yeah. With the older generation of specialists, doing that change management, and it's something I've seen at this conference through and through, is talking about change, right? Doing that change management is difficult, especially yeah. for those specialists who have been doing the, their job for 40 years the same way, yeah. with their secretary handling pretty much everything, yeah. and them doing everything on paper. So I think it, it, it really depends on, on cost, because that's, that's another biggie, right? You've got really good players in the game for specialists outside of the cardiology space, yeah. like Jeannie, who are really working hard to make sure that they can reach those specialists and yeah. get into their offices. You've got HealthTrack, who's also doing the same. Yeah. Um, HealthTrack, again, is quite specialized in cardio, but they do do other modalities, and they are working with the specialty clinics that they work with. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it, it comes down to cost for a lot of the specialists. So yeah. if you're a one-man show, there's not really a cost-benefit for you to go into an EMR unless you can really see from your EMR vendor that it's going yeah. to be a cost benefit. And I think as well, if you're, we're talking about different generations of clinicians, if it's a generation that's closer to retirement and looking at winding up their practice or then 
scaling it out. I know in the primary space, at least, that's doing a digital transformation is probably quite low on their list. Exactly. So it's, it's finding those that can champion the, the project. Right. It's a, it's essentially cost over time and payback yeah. over time. Yeah. Yeah. Any other key messages or points or things you'd want to get across? I think with this, it's been really interesting. And I was, I was talking to a colleague of mine just, and I think I said this in the panel as well. I think the biggest thing I've seen in this, this conference that's been interesting is, and, and doing this over time as well, you know, we see a lot of implementation and, and wanting to implement and, and really great technologies coming out there. Yeah. But I think the big focus that we're seeing a lack of support, whether that be funding or resourcing, et cetera. Yeah. And this is my own experience, plus hearing it from a bunch of the, the players that I've talked to here is that change management piece that comes along with mm. any implementation yeah. and how we do that over the long run. Hey, I'm Angela Ryan. I am the Vice Chair of the Australasian Institute Digital Health. Long, long history in health, digital health, yep. clinical background and so on. But uh, yeah, that's me. One of the mainstays. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it's great to have you. It wouldn't be a digital lifers. <laughs> it wouldn't be a digital health event if you weren't here. I think they got the right, the right pronunciation. <laughs> but what's brought you to the event today? Look, uh, two reasons. One is that, well, I had the opportunity to sit on a panel yesterday and talk about workforce, which is one of the things I yeah. love to talk about. I love to talk about how we can better equip our health workforce to use digital health. I think we make it kind of hard for them. Yeah. Uh, so I got the opportunity to sit on a panel with, chaired by Professor Karen Butler-Henderson okay. and with a number of other pretty cool people um, and all of us talking about what maybe what we can do a little bit better. Yeah. And then today I got the chance, another thing I love to talk about is women in digital health. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. Um, I got to, to just have a little bit of a um, presentation just about sort of where we've been, where we are now, what are we going to do better and all of those things. Yeah, yeah that, that was great too. Uh, any other kind of key messages or points or things like maybe the feedback from the sessions that, that you've provided, things that resonate with the people here? Um, I think, look, I had lots of people come up and approach me after the, particularly after the Women in Digital Health presentation, because obviously the, a lot of women, of course, looking for, um, I guess, ways into um, you know, what, what they can learn a little bit more about, how do they access information, talked about the Institute. Yep. Um, you know, there's a couple of great programs. Also, a bit of a shout out for the, uh, the nominations for the brilliant Connected yeah. brilliant Women in Digital Health nominations which are about to close in the middle of June so mm. you know that was that was great but yeah it's been it's been fun yeah, yeah it's been really good fun and nice to see you too Pete <laughs> as always before you go just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there there are podcast episodes summit sessions and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel you can just search talking health tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.